0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. I believe you're biblically on sound ground. I'm going to show you that. Um, and there's a, on the third page of your handout, I try to do as best I know how, biblically why Christians should vote. And so, you can look at that and meditate on it, um, but I have torn this apart and you say, well how do we know what to vote? If you're not going to tell us what to vote, what are you going to tell us to do? Well, the only way to really understand what both parties are going to uh, do and say, first of all, Trump has pretty much told us in 2016 what he was going to do, and he's been doing a lot of it, and he says, I'm going to do more of it. Well, how do you know what the, Depart- the uh, Democratic Party is going to do unless… You- so you need to look at their platform. Study their platform. Forget all the craziness that's in the news. Because you can listen to one and the other, you get all sorts of twisted up, all the… pun. Go study it for yourself. And so I've tried to summarize what it is, but before we do this, let's pray. Lord, I, I ask that You as the Spirit of truth, Holy Spirit, You said through Jesus in John's gospel, Jesus said, it's good that I go away because if I go away, the Father will send the Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth, and He will lead you. There's the GPS. He will lead you and guide you in all truth. You can't bear the truth now, but when He comes, He will reveal everything I have said to you. So, Lord, I pray for truth to be known here today in Jesus' name. So first let's kind of set some things maybe to get us all on the same page. Um, What is truth? Jesus is truth. Amen. You know, there's uh, interesting stuff. I I don't know. It's really sad. Bob Dylan, the great guy, who did a lot of… He said, all truth in the world adds up to one big lie. What a sad, depressive thought. Lots of confusion. You know, I've got my grandkids and they're growing up. We're kind of trying to teach the next generation in our, our church schools. Children are growing up in a very, very uncertain world today the question that's often asked by all of us, I'm sure you've asked this, is there a God? (laughs) Where did everything come from? How do you know what's right and what's wrong? What happens when I die? Jesus made a really amazing statement just before He was crucified, when He was brought before Pilate, had been falsely accused. Jesus tells Pontius Pilate, He says, why, you know, Pilate's interviewing Him, and he says, Jesus says this, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. John 1837. Pilate's response is interesting. <laughs> what is truth? Notice that Jesus doesn't say that he says the truth, not any old truth. And he adds, Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. John 1837. And again, notice the truth. It's not vague. It's definite. That's why He said in John 14, 6, when the disciples were questioning when He was going to go away, so I'm going away. You don't know where I'm going. And and they were confused. Where are you going? We don't have any idea. And He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And so, truth, what is it? Jesus referenced many times in John 14, 6, and he said in Ephesians 4, 21 that he was full of truth. Paul represents him. He says, You are full of truth. In Mark's Gospel 12, 32, he says, The truth. The words, the true revelation of God. He taught the way of the truth in Matthew 22. He taught about truth in John 8, said, The truth would set you free. He came into the world to bear witness. The other thing is, he can't lie. (laughs) So, the the dictionary's definition of truth is this. In accordance with fact or reality, it's a true story. The exact accurate true depiction also has another one that says, loyal or faithful, a true friend. The noun for truth is the quality or state of being true. You can walk in truth. You can be in the truth. He goes on and in, there's all this stuff. When I was in one of my college, I got to actually, the only C I got in college was, it was a humanities, I was in a military college and he didn't like me. Uh, He was was not a Christian and I was um, unashamed and we got into many discussions on relativism. And he didn't like it in my papers. He says, you're too narrow. You're probably going to marry, you know, the woman with the, the nice dress and have the little picket fence. And I said, that sounds good to me. Yeah, That's, yeah I like it. And uh, anyway, he, we, we had these discussions on relativism. What is relativism? Well, in our society today, um, you can demand your own way. It's kind of like this. It says, how close is Los Angeles to New York City? Well, that's relative. How close, how close is New York City and L.A.? Well, compared to Mars, it's pretty close. <laughs> so, it's relative. It's kind of where, where are you coming from? Um, so, there are things that are relative. There's these places, though, however, um, that there is truth. For example... Um, If you don't believe that electricity is what it can do, it goes to ground, go stick your tongue in that outlet over there and let me know how you think about that truth, right? Or the young lady who comes back from college who's now, she was raised in in a Christian home. Grandma's sitting on a rocking chair, and she's told her all about Jesus. Grandma, I don't know about Jesus. There's other ways, and you know what? I know you've told me about this heaven and this hell, but I don't believe there's a hell, Grandma. Honey just because you don 't believe it doesn 't put the fire out right so there's there are truths you know does two plus two always equal four well no it doesn't for me it equals six Wow so relativism is um, is kind of a wild sense that if you're if you are man centered if you're humanistic in your belief system which are basically are Uh, school systems are actually overrun with so much humanism today. But if you are driven by man-centered thinking of relativism, then these are the things, well, what you believe is true for you and what I believe is true for me. Truth is subjective. Truth is in the eyes of the beholder. Different strokes for different folks. What your beliefs are, I have mine, you have yours, and that's the end of it. To be a relativist means that your idea and proposition and your claim, it's what you believe it to be. But ultimately, truth is truth. (laughs) There are certain things that are true. Example, um, truth gravity, get on the roof and step off and you can believe you won't fall. But but how about getting one of those multi, multi multi-tons of steel and get in a plane with a jet engine. We used to make GE jet engines, right? And when you overcome, when the the law of aerodynamics, which is a higher law, there's a truth of gravity, but there's a higher truth of aerodynamics. If you put a certain airflow over an airline, airline, it'll lift, it gives you lift, and it overcomes gravity. So there's a higher truth of aerodynamics than there is of gravity. So there are truths. But there are higher truths. That's why in the Old Testament, when the Old Testament says, when at that point where they were, it was a, not a complete covenant, it says it's obsolete, actually in Hebrews, it says the new covenant is a more complete covenant, right? The old is now obsolete. But in the Old Testament, don't lay, don't lay your hands on a leper because you'll become unclean. But in the New Testament it says, "Lay your hands on the sick and they will recover." What's true? We've been in the leper colonies and we've seen the, the deformation of what happens when the virus takes over. But we go and we lay hands on them and we don't receive the virus. Because Mark 16 is true. Go into all the world and make disciples of all men. These signs shall follow them that believe. Cast out demons in my, la- my name. You'll be able to handle deadly things without harm. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And then it goes on and says, These signs shall follow them and validate that the word of the truth so there's this place where there is truth and there's certain things that may be relative, but there are things that are absolute. And so where I'm going with this is if you want to know what do I do and what will I be held accountable, take a look at your handout. First of all, I'm going to assume by live stream that I'm speaking to most evangelical Christians in this room. Not everyone may be saved, I hope you are, but there are though even Christians I've had debates with, well, the Bible's not totally true. You know, it's changed. Now, um, evangelical Christians, which we profess to be, we have a biblical worldview. We believe the world, that the Bible is true. It is the beginning. It is the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. It's based upon one truth. His name is Jesus. And so, for evangelicals with a worldview… Um, You can have this discussion, but if you're not of that persuasion, then you might have trouble with this discussion today. But I'm going to just there's several Scriptures I can go to, but the top one there, I just quoted 2 Timothy 3.16. I want to read it to you at the top of your handout called The Biblical Evaluation of the 2020 Election. As evangelical Bible-believing Christians, we hold to a biblical worldview. Quote, Scripture out of 2 Timothy. This is Paul telling his spiritual son, Timothy. All scripture, would you say all for me? All I looked that up in the Greek. It's the same word. <laughs> all scripture is inspired by God and is useful. It's inspired by God. So this is where Peter tells us that those who godly men who were moved by the Holy Spirit wrote, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It straightens us out, and it teaches us to do what is right. It's God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants to do. So then, let's take a look at these platforms. Um, in your handout, I've tried to summarize the last two pages. I've got both platforms. that What I call the key is It's kind of hard to take... 93 pages and 50-some-odd pages, and, but I've taken a handout here from the Family Research Council. I thought they did a pretty good job. On, some of them are um, very clear and others are not so clear, but I, you can go and research them more. So I encourage you to go online. So if you look at the Democratic platform... And you take it apart, what do they say they're going to do? And I've tried to do that. I've categorized them into major categories, which are listed on your front two, uh, three page, uh, two pages here. There's one mention of God in the 93 pages. Um, clearly, in this platform, abortion is to be funded. It is to be promoted both globally and nationally. It is to be long-term. It is to, it's, it's based upon the premise that a woman has a right to choose whatever she wants to do with her body. And so it is, it it reverses a lot. It, it, it calls for uh, taxpayer-funded abortions and, and free abortion. Talks about the abortion pill, making it available. So clearly one of the highlighted areas that are completely opposite is in the Republican platform. They're absolutely against anything after 20 weeks. They actually um, stand against any place where there's violation of a doctor or a nurse's or a pharmacist's decision that their spirituality says, no, I cannot do this. You can't make me. This platform would cause you, actually to bring you into a legal dispute if you do not perform your function in the democratic function. So, clearly one of the big ones is abortion. So, I think all of you should wrestle with that. Whether you've had an abortion, we've counseled with many men and women who have been involved in that, and we know that God is a forgiver. He's able to exceedingly do what He said. If you, in fact, I listed here in James, it says, in James 2.10, i want to turn there now, but it says, if you keep all the commandments except one, you're guilty of breaking all of them. So, if you walk around here thinking high and my… Well, I'm not like them. I'm not that kind of a sinner. Uh, excuse me, that's called pride. And so, there's none righteous, no, not one, he said, right? So, if you've broken one sin, of one of the commandments, you're guilty of all of them. So, this, this idea that, well, we're not… I've done those other things, but… Not, this categorization of sin is a mistake. And so, the question is, if we have a platform that is endorsing… So here's the difference. Um, if you have a platform that endorses sin, actually dumbs down sin, makes it um, more normal to pre- perform sin, and then promotes it, teaches it, codify, codifies it by law, that's where we get way off track. Now, there isn't any part, neither one of the parties are promoting adultery. They're not promoting uh, violence and murder. No, they're not promoting that. But when they start to promote this kind of thing, abortion, then you've moved into a direction and now codifying it. Now you've moved into a place where you're now promoting sin, and God has some words about that. And so, let's take a look at the, 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 these platforms. I've tried to list here the sanctity of human life. I've just listed a few of the some Scriptures here, probably the one that we endorse. And if you look at, and I hold my little grandchild, Rosalie, all of them I've so amazed at how God moves in them. But children are a gift. They're they're a heritage of the Lord. They're an offspring. It calls them a reward. Before God formed you in the womb, He knew you. Before you were, He set you apart. In fact, the word there that Richard shared about Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. David writes that in Psalm 139. I've listed there in in uh, in C, 1C, it says, God, you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. One of the Ten Commandments, which is the moral law of God that has not changed, is thou shalt not do murder. Constitutionally, how do we get over this life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? So you can snuff out a life but and deny them the pursuit of happiness and somehow... We we violate our own constitution. Me personally, I don't know how that happens. So, there are six things, E there, there are six things the Lord hates, and then he lists them. One of them is, in fact, he lists that as the shedding of innocent blood. F, he says, this is what Job said, did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one who formed us both within our mothers? So, you can't get out of um, biblically understanding that children are a gift, life is a gift, and God looks down upon anyone who tries to take that down, take it out. And so, um, I celebrate the 40 Days for Life groups. Uh, Teresa and John, they've been standing that. They're part of the 40 Days for Life. There's some amazing testimonies of abortion workers who have come out of the of the industry. In fact, I don't know if you've seen the film um, where the person was responsible for thousands of abortions. She was actually a supervisor, and one day she got asked to come in and hold the ultrasound for, and that was it. Unplanned is the movie. That was it. So, um, again, there can be a lot of condemnation for those who have either been or participated. And every time we talk about it, you can get this cringe. I really would encourage you to recognize that if you're in Christ Jesus and you've confessed that, your sin is as far as the East is from the West. He remembers it no more. I don't know how the all-powerful, all-knowing God chooses to… Free. How do you… F- it's through the blood. He can't see it through the blood. So, don't pick up the condemnation. Walk… But then become an advocate. You, you can help those who have walked down this path. That's one of the Scriptures Paul says, when you've, when you've suffered a particular area, use that now to encourage others. So you can be a, a word and a light. The next one, which is another difficult one, is homosexuality, the LGBT, and transgender. Now this, again, um, we have to be careful here because we love everyone. We're to love everyone. But it is just as bad for those that are shacking up living outside of marriage with somebody and more of those are living together outside of marriage today ever than before. Or those that are committing adultery or going on to porn site or getting drunk on the weekends. I got news for you. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if you practice those lifestyles. That's not my word. Turn with me if this scripture to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6 and let's look at verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, and let's begin in verse 9. Don't you realize, this is Paul speaking, and the, the church at Corinth was a pretty messed up church, by the way. They had a, we, We're glad they were messed up now because we can read about how they were corrected. He did a lot of correction for them as opposed to the church at Ephesus, but he t- he's writing to them in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, kind of ways to walk. He says in verse 9, so 1 Corinthians 6, 9, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols. Now listen, he he lists many things here. The worship of idols. If you've got anything that you worship or replace Jesus for, food, drugs, alcohol, movies, sex, Anything that becomes a place where you search for peace other than outside the Prince of Peace, that's a form of idolatry. Nations, you can, idolatry, you can have idolatry to nations or to presidents. Not a good thing. So he says, those who worship idols, those who commit adultery, male prostitutes, those who practice homosexuality, those who are thieves, the greedy people, the drunkards, the abusive, the cheats, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. Get an amen on that. But you were cleansed and you were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So how many of you, man, if we went through and listed our sins and we were transparent. So here's the issue. When a platform comes out and tries to codify or promote the sin, If the platform came out and said, well, we want to promote adultery, you can do whatever you want, we would be against that. But what's happened is there's a platform that is now, wants to spread this, normalize this across the globe. And so, I've listed the Scriptures here. You can look at them. We know what God did in the Old Testament when there were cities that broke into this. You know what happened in Gibeah or in Sodom? So this idea that infuriates me, you want to teach my children in public school about being a transgender. You want to preach and teach my children about this type of lifestyle, that you can change your gender. No, that's not. That's my choice to make. That is not the school system's choice to make. And so when a platform promotes that, you need to look at both platforms and see what they promote and not promote. But you're hearing me, right? Anyone who's caught in a sin, it says gently bring them forward, love them. So when people, when I find out that there's people in adultery, and some of you are sitting here, we challenge you, we bring you in, we give you an opportunity, and then you have, an, you have a choice. Paul challenged that in Corinthians. He said there was a young man living with his mother-in-law and he said, put them out and let Satan have him at this point. Maybe God will turn his heart. But later in Corinthians, he says, now forgive him. You've, you've, you've ostracized him so much, he'll never get back if we don't welcome them back in. So you have to deal with sin. But we're a place, we, you know from here, we're a place that welcomes the sick and the broken. We're all sick and broken in areas of our life. So we're not sitting there saying, oh, you better clean up your act before you... No, but at the same time, We have to stand against unrighteousness and call it out where it is. Are you hearing me on that one? Okay, I want to, because we're here to love, and we, we have that desire to see people find the truth and be set free. And if you can't, then, and this is not your place, then find a place where God leads you. Number three, let's go there. Marriage and family. There is not one mention of family in the DNC platform, not one. And yet this one, traditional marriage, is the other one. That um, the, the description of marriage, the what I'll call the traditional between a man and a woman and children. Throughout Scripture, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, it's all about a father and a son. It's all about what God has done with the family. All right. So we see here... God created them from the beginning. He made them male and female, and he said, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and be held to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In Mark 4, why don't we turn, uh, Mark chapter 10. Let's turn there for a moment. In Mark chapter 10, and in verse 6, Jesus is questioned by the Pharisees and he, he describes what Moses did. He also goes on in verse six, Mark ten six. This is quote from Jesus. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. So they are no more two, but one. So from the beginning, male and female. So this whole confusion uh, idea. Um, if you're a Bible believing Christian. It's hard to allow that kind of teaching to go forward. Number, It's gotten real quiet in here. You guys okay? All right. I know it's messing with us all. Hey. God and government. What does the Bible say about God and government? Well, there's several. You could, you could Google this one and get a whole bunch, but... Um, we know that the authorities that exist have been established by God, but he also makes it clear that you have a choice, and there's times when people have made a choice for who they put in power, and God says, that I didn't choose that one. Um, we know godliness makes a nation great, but sin is a disgrace to my people. There's in 4D. Let's, um, I've listed this on the bottom of page 3, but let's look there now. I'd like you to turn with me. Um, to Hosea chapter 8, just to kind of, in, in Israel's history, they selected certain ones to be in power that God did not approve of. But since you have free will, you can choose, one of your great gifts is free will. You can choose never to embrace Christ, and your eternity will be determined by that choice, or you can choose. So, He gives us this free will choice. And so, look at Hosea, in chapter 8, let's look at verse 1, set the trumpet, sound the alarm, I'll read the New Living Translation, Hosea 8, 1, sound the alarm, the enemy descends like an eagle on the people of the Lord, whoa, for they have broken my covenant and revolted against my law. Now Israel pleads with me, help us, for you are our God, but it's too late. The people of Israel have rejected what is good, and how now their enemies will chase after them. The people have appointed kings without my consent, and princes without my knowledge, making idols for themselves of their silver and gold. They have brought about their own destruction. You know, there's a point. I know God is long-suffering, but there's a point. If you look at Israel's history, when they would have righteous leaders like Josiah, right? Right? when they have righteous leaders that have been raised up, David, and then they turn and an unrighteous king comes in place. You know what happens. They bring in all the idolatry, all the sacrifice to, to children. The spirit of Molech, which has been around. Today we call it choice, but the spirit of Molech, when they would sacrifice their children to the fire to appease the God of the spirit of Molech, the Canaanite gods. It's no different. the same spirit. It's out of convenience or out of something, bless me, bless me, bless me, or this is not convenient for me. And so he warns there are leaders that you have allowed to put in place, and now it's over. The time is up. My long suffering is finished. We get into a place where God finally says, Enough is enough. And I don't know how close we are, but there's a lot of prophetic words that are out there. Some are hopeful, but others are like, This is our last chance. I don't know, you have to discern for yourself on that one. All right, back to number 5. Support of Israel. Both platforms, uh one is, uh, is not very clear. The the um the DNC platform on page 91 deals with the two-state solution between the Palestinians and Israel talks about uh it's 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 kind of the policy that was in place for many years. And then the RNC comes out, and they make no bones about this. On page 47 of the RNC platform, the Republicans say, unequivocally, let me turn there. I'll read it to you. It does a better job. Because we believe that if you support Israel, there's a blessing. That's what the Scripture says. Our, this is a quote, a title from the, page 47 of the RNC. Our unequivocal support for Israel... Like the United States of America, the modern state of Israel is a country born from aspiration of freedom and standards out among the nations, a beacon of democracy and humanity. Beyond our mutual strategic interest, Israel is likewise an exceptional country that shares our most essential values. It is the only country in the Middle East where freedom of speech, freedom of religion are found. Therefore, support for Israel is expression of an Americanism and is the responsibility of the government. We advance its policy. With no daylight between America and Israel, we recognize Jerusalem as the eternal and indivisible capital of the Jewish state and call for the American embassy to be moved in the fulfillment of U.S. law. You know that many, many presidents said they would do that, never did, and then we know this is, again, this is a 2016 platform that's been ratified for 2020. We know that the president not only acknowledged the Golan heights, For strategic places. If you've you've ever been in Israel, stand up on the strategic mountains of the Golan, look off to Syria, you know how strategic that location is. And so we also know that uh, he has made it clear that we've moved our embassy there and that Jerusalem is the capital. And so that's why I think if you read this book, you'll get a better understanding from a Jewish perspective, biblically, what's going on in the Middle East. And now why are all of these peace agreements coming in place? it's a very interesting read i encourage you to look at it and just meditate and see what the lord tells you about that all right so support for israel we believe again evangelical christians you know there are there are denominations that have said the replacement theology that the church has replaced israel that's not biblical go read romans 9 10 and 11 you cannot get there if you believe in the scriptures we are grafted in we are one Ephesians 2 says we're one new man, Jew and Gentile together, right? That formation of that one new man that's come together. So, we as evangelical Christians believe we haven't replaced Israel. We're the, the wild bunch that's been grafted into the tree. That's Romans, right? And so, uh, again, if you, if you don't support that, then, then you, you have trouble. Just read the Scriptures for yourself. I've listed it there. Go meditate on Romans 11. You'll see that in 5C. So here's some general concept as we start to close in on this. There are many things. In fact, if you look at both platforms, they promise a whole lot of stuff. But you know me. I'm a hunter. Um, I believe in the Second Amendment. And so, but if I'm going to vote because of the Second Amendment as my priority, as opposed to the biblical foundations like abortion, or, well, I'm in college and I got thousands and thousands of dollars of debt, so let me vote for free college that the DNC's prompt, uh, then you are, I believe you're off track. If you are, that becomes idolatry. You are then supporting a platform for the Gimme Gimme Gotcha stuff that I can get, which, hey, we wanna evaluate that, we think it's good, but if that's the driver for your decision making, I personally believe you're off track and i've had debates if, if there was a platform as much they want to you know we've had some we're going to take away the guns we're going to do all if i vote because of my second amendment desire but at the same time i compromise on abortion i think i will be held accountable for that that's my personal view i believe it's about what am i going to get from this what are they going to give me no no this is about the biblical what does god get i love the word that bishop gave you're going to vote with god or you're going to vote Again, I'm not telling you how to vote. You need to decide for yourself. But I, I sense that this is a, such a critical election. When I got a call from Josh Reinstein in Israel, he said, please get as many people as you can to read this so they understand what's going on in the Middle East, what's critical about the wars and what's happening and what the opportunity is. We believe this election is so critical for the nations of the world and especially the United States and Israel. He was pleading with me on the phone. So my concern is that we might vote for something that we want as opposed to what God wants. Let's look at some uh, look at Second Corinthians 5:10 with me for a moment. This is where I, and I've listed there in the bottom of the general concepts to consider on page two, every nation and every individual will be held accountable for what you do or what you don't do. Let's look at a scripture on that one. In 2 Corinthians, chapter 5 and verse 10. Paul writes, talks about one day we'll have new bodies. We can, amazing, going to have new bodies. (laughs) We're confident. Isn't that awesome? All the struggles with gaining weight, all that stuff goes away. Hallelujah. Wow. If you want those in heaven, Katie, it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love Him. Okay, let's get back here. 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says this, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive what we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. That's why it's so awesome to think of when we stand in that judgment place. It says, it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. On the day that you pass from this veil into the next. Isn't it awesome as believers, we have an advocate. We have the super lawyer. His name's Jesus and if we've confessed and repented and we're walking with Him, we're in Christ. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And so, when we stand before Him, and he's, He looks at it in my slate. He says, I love this Scripture. I often read this in Malachi chapter 3, right during, after the Scripture discussion on the tithing. It says, as a scroll of remembrance. That, let's turn there for a minute. Turn with, Mal, turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. talks about tithing and, and what will the Lord do for those who will not live under the curse, who've kept the tithes and offerings from Him. And then he goes on in verse 16. It's called the Lord's promise. This is the Lord's pro- This is the last set of Scriptures before the Old Testament closes. And the prophet Malachi says this, those who feared the Lord, that word translated means reverentially honor. Those who reverentially honor the Lord spoke with each other. The Lord listened to what they said. In His presence, in His presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared Him, reverentially honored Him, and always thought about the honor of His name. That's why this word that Bishop gave about, will you vote with me? <laughs> Find out His heart. Will you vote with Him? Right? It's like, When when we come together, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but when we come together and we love His name and we honor His name and we discuss His name, there's a scroll, I believe, your name on this date. David wrote in Psalm 139, this day has been recorded, right? Everything that's been recorded. So this day that you were here, or the day that you witnessed for Him, the day you laid hands on, the one day that you gave away money to help somebody who was broken... That day has been recorded. You honored his name. And he says, on the day that I act in judgment. Verse 17, you will see this. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then again, you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked and between those who serve God and those who do not. So, we can unpack a whole lot more, but there's this place of when we're inactive. Remember, he, he goes after in Matthew 25 in the, in the place where he judges nations. There are going to be sheep nations and there are going to be goat nations. A sheep nation is one who's followed Christ. The goat nations are the ones who were in rebellion. And he says, you're going to see, I will gather the people from the nations, both sheep, I'll put the sheep on this side, the goats on this side. And then he goes on, he says, To them, he says, those who honored me and gave in my name. Well, when did we ever see you hungry and without clothing, without food? He says, the lack of what you did is the reason you are not blessed. So inaction and action are both going to get judged. And we can see that. You can look at it in Matthew 25 and and reconcile for yourself what he's saying there. So there is a place where you'll turn to page 3. I'm, I often I've spent a lot of time, I've actually helped some fill out absentee ballots. I had a woman, an older lady who's never voted. And I said, you got to vote. I'll help, I don't want to go. those I said, I'll help you. We'll fill out the absentee ballot together. I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but you need to vote. And so, if you'll look through here, it is my contention. You see where it says at the top of page three, godliness exalts a nation. But sin is a disgrace to any people, Proverbs fourteen thirty four. The question is, does God expect Christians to vote? If you are not registered to vote, Karen, we, we did a registry here. Again, we're not going to tell you how to vote, but see Karen. She'll direct you on how to do it. It is my contention. Go ahead. Right. They've made it so easy. Um, so... It is my contention that it is the duty and responsibility of every Christian to vote. This is the top of page three. Leaders who promote Christian principles. God is most certainly in control, but does not mean that we should do nothing to further His will. We are commanded to pray for our leaders, 1 Timothy 2. In terms of politics and leadership, there is evidence in Scripture that God is displeased when our choices of leadership at times. I read you out of Hosea. The evidence of sin's grip on the world is everywhere. Man, I've been in nations right now, when we go to Nepal and the Hindus are are persecuting, or in India where we've been, where they beat up our our missionaries. They're beheading. In In Mozambique, we were there in the bush a few miles from where our camp is there in the bush with Pastor Migueli, They are now beheading Christians. This is the real deal. It's true. And so, much of the suffering, I go on, much of the suffering is cause of godless leadership, Proverbs 28. Scripture gives Christians instructions to obey authorities unless it contradicts the Lord's commands. That's why, we, you know, this whole crazy thing about masks, right? We're trying to honor when we're close, coming in, but we're ready for what, Paul, what God did to Paul, Damascus, right? On the road to Damascus. I heard that from... Joseph Garlington, I thought it was cute. So, but when the governor of California says, there isn't going to be any church, and if when church comes, you can't sing, well, guess what? The word says over and over again, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Sing praises unto Him. So, that amendment in, in the First Amendment gives us religious freedoms. You can take that law, and we're not going to do it, Okay. Uh, help me, Jesus. Okay. When, we, so, we're not going to comply with that. That is a violation of the First Amendment. And so, but we will try to honor in areas where we honor. That, and, and we're trying to walk that line. I, I know it's difficult, but the Lord's going to break us free from that. Let me read on. As born-again believers, we ought to strive to choose leaders who will lead and be led as our creator. First Samuel 12, 13 through 25 talks about righteousness exalts a nation. Candidates or proposals that violate Bible's commands for life, family, or faith should never be supported. Christians should vote as led through prayer and study of both God's Word and realities of the choices on the ballot. Christians in many countries in this world are oppressed and persecuted. They suffer under governments that are now powerless to change. They are now powerless to change, and they suffer. They're hated for their faith, and their vi- the voices are silenced. These believers preach the gospel at high risk. In the USA, Christians have been blessed with the right to speak about and choose leaders without fearing for themselves or their families. That used to be true. I don't know if it is so much. In the USA, as recent elections, listen to this statistic from Barner. Two out of every five self-professing Christians took the right for granted and they did not vote in the last election. Two out of five. And one out of five have never even registered. I heard a statistic from James Robison and uh, Franklin Jensen that said 25 million evangelical Bible-believing Christians did not vote in the last election. 25 million. Now, I'll just leave it there. We need to get registered to vote and we need to vote. Now, if you look at the next page, the platforms, this is from the Family Research Council, and they, obviously some of these are summaries, but I just, I've listed there, and you can underline in red. Just go down and look, and then go back and look, call up the platform yourself, and then look biblically at what you see here. But it's pretty much what I've called for. But when the promotion of a particular activity is contrary to this, and we vote in accordance with violating that, I believe there's, a, there's, a, there's an account that will come. So what have I done here this morning other than stir it all up? Let me, um, let me ask that you would, let me tell you one of the things I'm doing. Why don't you turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 3, and I'll close with a couple of scriptures here. Ezekiel chapter 3. There's a warning to the watchman. And in Ezekiel, he deals with this. If, if anybody went through a whole lot of mess, it was certainly Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 3, he calls for the watchman. What's a watchman? It's someone who looks, blows the trumpet, warns. And so let's look at Ezekiel 3 and look at verse 16. Are you there? Ezekiel 3 16. After seven days, the Lord gave a message to Ezekiel. He said, Son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn the people immediately. That's what I believe Bishop was doing. If I warn the wicked, saying, You are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. Yipes. That's a tough role for a leader. If you warn them and they refuse to repent and they keep on sinning, they will die in their sins. But you will have saved yourself because you obeyed me. If righteous people turn away from the righteous behavior and ignore the obstacles I put in their path, they will die. And if you do not warn them, they will die in their sins and none of their righteous acts will be remembered. Oof. Now, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn the righteous people not to sin and they listen to you and you do, and do not sin, they will live and you will have saved yourself too. Then the Lord took hold of me and said, Get up and go into the valley. I will speak to you there. So I got up and went, and I saw the glory of the Lord just I had seen in my first vision at the Kabar River. And I fell face down on the ground, and the Spirit came unto me. So I've tried to tell you, I, this is not a popular message, and there are probably people, I've seen some people walk out, um, but I have done my best to tell you what I believe in my heart. I hope I have um, portrayed truth to you that you will now take this, read through it, evaluate it, go online yourself. Um, I got to tell you, when I, when I read some of this, I felt sick to my stomach when I read some of these platforms literally ill to my stomach. There's a spirit that's associated with some of this. Um, You know that there's a spirit behind everything, right? Relationships, movies. You know, if you want to go watch a spook movie, there's a spirit of fear behind it, right? You watch a lust movie, there's a spirit of lust behind it, right? And so, there is a spirit that is operating, and we know from the book of Daniel, that spirit, there was a demonic spirit The principality of power that was over Israel. That's why the archangel had to come and fight. When Daniel started praying, he was praying for 21 days. He says, your prayer was answered the moment you started to pray. But it took 21 days to get it here because we had to fight the principalities and powers that are in the second heavens. And there is a war going on over the United States right now. And it's only going to be the people. He will just, remember, if he spares Sodom and Gomorrah, he would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah with ten ten righteous. Wow. I know there's more than that in this nation. We've been praying on Sunday nights, coming together and praying and interceding. And last Sunday night when the Holy Spirit showed up, oh my goodness, a spirit of laughter broke out. There was a, a cone of um, right here. One lady started speaking. She fell out laughing and another one came up. Took She fell out. And, started, and then pretty soon there's a pile here. I said, I'm going to go right over here. And it went on for an end, it broke out in the whole congregation, and Karen had come in with a migraine, <laughs> Laugh, sitting right, laughing her head off, it's, it's gone, because laughter is like a medicine. What's God doing? God wants to release His Spirit, and He wants people to get real. It's time for us to seriously close your closet, get with God, and talk to Him. And ask him, pray, intercede. If my people, I mean, this has been overquoted and now quoted is 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, not the pagans that are out there, not the unbelievers, not the ones that are all confused. My people, if my people will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wickedness. If there's any mess going on in your life, just turn away from it. Get, come up for prayer today. Turn away from that secret junk that you're involved in so that you can inherit the kingdom of God. Don't practice a lifestyle that is going to lead you in a path. I have preached messages, and by the afternoon, people who sat in the congregation have died. They've dropped dead at the end of the day. Come on, you don't know, we don't know how many days we've got. We've had people that have had strokes. I know a lady from the congregation had a stroke this week. When does that happen? And all of a sudden, everything changes. We don't know how many days. We don't know how many moments we've got left. We live like we're going to live forever. But then God says, no, live for today. Today is the day of salvation. So I want to invite the ministry team, if you'll come, put on a mask so we can get really close and not make anyone uncomfortable. If you're here this morning and you want to repent, the Bible is clear. It says, if you will confess one to another, this is James 5, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed, saved, delivered, sozod in the Greek, an action verb. There's something about coming in and saying, here's my mess. Now, our ministry team, they, are, they know the criteria to keep everything private. That's not something that they're going to go expound about your stuff. And so, you have to feel free to be able to come and just Share your heart and confess. But if you're here and you want to get free of any stuff in your life that you haven't been able to get free of, the only way you can do that is in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's by His power and the Holy Spirit. He said, He's given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. In in, uh, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19, He speaks of the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon the believers after they believed. He told us in Acts 1, you don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift. In Acts 1.8, he says, when the Holy Spirit has come on you, you will become my witnesses and you'll be filled with power. In Luke 11, he says, if an evil father can give a good gift to his children, how much more would the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You gotta ask the Father for this gift. It's the greatest gift, the spirit of truth that leads you and guides you in all truth. He's the dunamis power. He's the called alongside one. He's the one that will lead you. He comforts you. So, Lord, I just pray, let's stand to our feet and, Lord, all those listening by live stream, if you need to get on your knees right where you are or pull over from your car or wherever you're at and just ask the Lord, Lord, I want to be in a place where my slate is completely clean. The blood of Jesus eradicates my sin. When I repent and turn from my wicked ways, he applies the blood. Not like the priest in the Old Testament where you have to keep doing it one time. He applies it, and it's under the blood for the glory now of God. So, Lord, we just ask now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would take comfort in reaching your people the comforter of the Holy Ghost would come. Places where you need to convict us, convict us. Forgive us, Lord. There's no one righteous. Not one. There's no one standing up here. I'm certainly me standing up here saying, you know, I'm righteous and they need to get there. No, all of us, it's all level at the cross. It's that place where we come in humility to the cross, asking Him to set us free. Lord, we pray for this nation. We pray for all those in leadership that you're going to put in place. We want to vote with you, God. So you show each individual who that is at the local level, at the judiciary, right down to the lowest level of government, at the commission level. You show us who to vote for, God, that we will, we will come in concert with you. Give us dreams and revelation, Lord, in Jesus' name.